This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Welcome back in. You were listening to the December 8th, 2017 edition of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a word of his podcast dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart of Fantasy Gumshoe, and joining me today on the show is a contributor here at The Viz and quite a regular here on the show. Welcome back to the show. My man, Scott Smith. You can find him on the tweets at SSmithFF. Great to have you back on the Mailbag Show. Scott, man, what's good? Everything's good. We're in the midst of the playoffs, and it's that time of year where everybody either gets paid or they go home sad. Kid, yeah, everybody's going paid. Everybody's going home, as as uh, our man Pete would say, get paid, get laid, something to that nature. But uh, we're not going to be doing the latter here on the show, but we are going to be trying to help everybody else. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. In the audience here today, get paid because it's the fantasy football playoffs i cannot believe we are already here well it's mostly the fantasy football playoffs i know there's some leagues out there that just kick it off week 15 week 16 i know some of the playoffs started a week ago in fact but majority it's wild card weekend so we're going to answer all those questions for wild card weekend here from a fantasy football player uh, perspective here before we dive right in though scott you spend some time each week putting the rankings out there at fantasy pros this week in particular post Poses interesting challenges as a few situations have been turned upside down. How do you account for this when we have injuries, new players stepping in that may have great opportunity, uh, maybe some new players that have uh, opportunity but little history, so on and so forth? Well, it's a little bit of a sore sore point to bring up the fantasy pros ranking because I was being respectable up until this past week and had a little snafu where for some reason my my rankings didn't publish, so it dropped me down from 20th to like 98th. So, oh, not man. too happy about that. But, uh, what I basically do is I look at things from three components. All right. I like to do what you would call sim scouting. Uh, you know, I look at box scores and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, two things that you can use for this, especially for new players. You know, if you want a quick, quick look at some of the guy's stats and background you can look at player profiler and see a lot of his metrics from combine and things like that and also you like to use you know let's give roto as a little plug the box score scout and it gives you a range of players that are similar to the player that you might be scouting um and then from there you know one of the the good things that i think has come into this season is 
if you you look at Ben Gretz's new column that he has, Stealing Signals, there's a lot of input in there about player usage, play calling tendencies, run pass splits. You know, that that's one of my go-to columns on a weekly basis every week. And then the last thing I'll look at is uh, the Flobotics chart that uh, Greg Smith puts out from uh, two quarterbacks. Um, you know, it's got a lot of the DVOA rankings for each individual matchup throughout the week. And, and so that's kind of how I would go through the process of deciding whether or not I'm going to start one of these guys coming into a new situation. Yeah, absolutely. And now on the flip side of that there, Scott, there's uh, someone with, uh, you know, they might have a bunch of history, uh, but they're going into a hiatus. Maybe they've been out for a while, right? So from a ranking perspective, you know, let's just dive right into it here. Like, what's your strategy for Flash Gordon this week, right? Like, everybody knows, like, he's kind of in a smash spot here. He's a smash play. Uh, We saw him take out the likes of uh, Casey Hayward on a few plays there. It it just looked like he was back. So, so, but from a ranking perspective how high do you put him do you do you account for that hiatus there do you just kind of act like he's he's back to where he was i i know everybody in the ranking community is is faced with this challenge this week so for me josh gordon's an interesting case study if you look at it because what you're looking at is somebody that had a two-year layoff so nobody was really looking to for him to do a whole lot you have some people that had the nostalgia from back when they had him on his fantasy rosters or a little bit gung-ho for him and, and probably, you know, throwing caution to the wind if they started him last week. I actually have him in a dynasty league, and I, I went ahead and, and left him on the bench last week because I wanted to see how the usage was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the rankings go, based on what I saw him last year, I think you got to put him and slot him right around, say, like Des Bryant. I mean, Des Bryant hasn't had a 100-yard game in quite some time, and Josh Gordon comes out to shoot with, you know, 11 targets – He only caught four of them, but he turned it into 85 yards and looked like his old athletic self. The thing that's interesting to me that, you know, I would basically suggest people to treat Gordon as is I think you look at what Terrell Pryor did in that offense last year and what a lot of people were hoping Kenny Britt could do in the offense this year. And he's basically what Terrell Pryor was last year, just more talented because he's played the wide receiver position and knows the nuances of it. So that's kind of where I look at him, and especially when you have things coming out of Cleveland that Hugh Jackson's so impressed and gaga over Josh Gordon to where this is the first player that he's actually designing players for, I mean, plays for and scheming just to get him touches. So I think you got to put him kind of, you know, that mid range wide receiver two area in your rankings week in and week out. Yeah, see, and I would almost say that, like, this dude is, like, it's a wide receiver one type of week, right? But that's the challenge in raking sometimes is that, you know, of course you've got accuracy in mind. People are going for one of those top ten, top uh, five overall spots, things of that nature, right? But, like, when you look at the spot, you look at Josh Gordon, you look at the 12, 11 targets last week, like, can you find ten wide receivers that you'd start over Josh Gordon, uh, Josh Gordon, Josh Gordon this week, and, and it's like, Oh gosh, I don't, I don't know how I, I could, right? So it's like, if we see that bust out game, then everybody is going to have them ranked at like what? Top five next week going forward. So it's like, who is going to take the risk and say, you know what? Josh Gordon's a smash play based on the volume. He's, he's, I think he's going to get in this spot. You know, th- this is a wide receiver one, but it's hard to do that if you're ranking, uh, because you're kind of taking a risk when you know most people aren't going to do it that way, right? Yeah, correct. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's some of the challenge there. Uh, speaking of challenges, I know I mentioned earlier there there's some spots that you know uh, are a little bit weird. You know, we've got some spot starts here coming up this week. So, is there anybody that you're finding yourself higher on than the consensus, or even lower on? Um, the one player that I'm probably higher on than most people is Jamison Crowder. Um, he, he disappointed a lot of people, you know, earlier in the year, the first six, seven weeks. And I think right now you look at him, he ranks as like the wide receiver 35 or 36 in PPR. But if you go back to week seven, you know, from week eight on, he's right at 10 targets a week. You know, he's actually averaging 17.6 PPR points. And, and when you start looking at it, Jordan Reed's out. Vernon Davis has been horrible to the point where, you know, Miles Paul's actually getting a lot of the work. Dotson's good for that that flash play here and there on, on the team. You know, Terrell Pryor's been a bust. He's on IR. There's not really anybody else there that's going to demand the targets. And, and he, I think, is a safe bet for 10 targets week in and week out. And he's only got one touchdown on a year. So I think you could see over this next couple of games, you know, him get a touchdown here or there that could push him into that that top 10, 10, 12 range, you know, right on the cusp of being a wide receiver one. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great call there. We've seen um, Jamison Crowder finally kind of come into the form that we all expected in the offseason, right? Uh, took a couple things to shake out there for it to happen, but nevertheless it happened. And what we're seeing is a lot of production, to your point, without the touchdown. So anything in addition is gravy there if you see the touchdowns there um you know definitely a pretty good matchup for him coming out of the slot this week as well um you know a lot of these matchups i definitely like to track in the uh the buy low uh report which is of course something hassan puts out on a weekly basis here uh then of course you can use the apps over at rotaviz to take a look at some of those matchups and really kind of get a feel for what you think at a high level is a good spot and then you can drill down a little bit further using uh you know the the Gillespie apps over there as well. And uh, right now you can still get that 30% discount to start using all these apps, doing your own research, combining that with all the awesome content that's out there on the site on a daily basis there. And that 30% discount, all you got to do is go to rotaviz.com slash podcast, click that sign up button right there, and that'll get you through at a 30% discount for the rest of the calendar year into next year as well. So it's still going to take you through the dynasty, the rookie scouting, all that jazz as well. And if you're listening to this show and you still have not subscribed to and rated the show on iTunes, please do us a solid. Uh, solid. It's uh, really just going to take you, what, one minute, maybe two minutes stops to get that done. Uh, so we really appreciate that. And uh, if you have any QQs you want answered, if you're still in the fantasy playoffs and you got those start sits coming up or uh, some evergreen type questions, anything, uh, hit us up, rotavizradio at gmail.com. All right, Scott, let's uh Dry, dive, dry, drive. Let's drive in. Let's drive in. Drill in. Whatever you want to say for the week here. Here we go. Redraft PPR for the next one. Which do I use in my flex this week between uh, Dee Dee Westbrook hitting the scene here, Andre Allington uh, in a new spot, and Corey Coleman? Yeah, I actually like Westbrook in this spot. Um, you look at things, especially against the the Seattle defense. There, there's no Richard Sherman, no Cam Chancellor. You know, you're talking about a defense that's a shell of what it normally is, and it's beat up. Over the last two weeks, Westbrook's got 19 targets, you know, so he, he's getting the usage there in that offense. And if I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm looking at Jacksonville, my strategy to stop them is I'm going to load up and stop Leonard Fournette and force Blake Bortles to go ahead and beat me through the air. And, and with that logic, I, I think that's what's going to happen. And I think you're going to see Blake Bortles passing. So if Marquis Lee is going to get the top coverage. That's going to leave, 
you know, D.D. Westbrook looking at who would normally be a, a, a DB4 or DB5, you know, in, in that defense. So, you know, that that's the play that I like for out of those matchups right there. Yeah, I'm with you here as well. We just saw the likes of Nelson Aguilar go ahead and take it down. You know, we've got a similar, you know, profile type of wide receiver here in D.D. Westbrook here. Um, you know, Andre Ellington, I think he's going to have – he's just forced into some target volume here, so I dig that. Um, but I don't dig that as much as D.D. here, and I think Corey, uh, he's, he's got just the greatest spot as, as Flash Gordon does here. But, uh, you know, I'd rather take D.D. here. I think it's just going to have to be funneled in his direction there. And it's funny, uh, Scott, you know, we're in week 14 now, and you still hear going around the, the, the industry here every so often, oh, I don't know if I'm going to use the Jacksonville guys, you know, they, they really just don't, you know, they don't want to throw the ball, and we're still saying this narrative, Scott, they don't want to throw the ball, because the coach said that in the preseason, and it's week 14, and people still haven't seen the pass attempts that Blake Bortles has put up on a weekly basis here, which is more than sufficient for D.D. Westbrook and crew to be, to, to be effective there in Jacksonville always always uh, gets a little gets a little funny when we do that sometimes there. Um, Dynasty is Jay Ajayi a buy low. Uh, the backfield has been muddy, but Devin uh, made a good point in this week's um, article for the Dynasty buy low segment here. Uh, Legarrette Blunt possibly being gone next season, and the backfield maybe not be so muddy. Uh, what, what say you? I'm not buying, and the reason I'm not buying is is there's, there's a couple of points, all right? If you go back and you look at what he was actually doing in Miami as far as Ajayi went, and as soon as he left, it, it seemed like that offense just became more efficient with Drake and Damian Williams both outperforming you know, Ajayi and, and what he was doing. And now Ajayi moves over to a situation in Philadelphia. Yeah, LeGarrette Blunt might leave, but Corey Clement is, is still getting a good bit of work, and they've been running back by committee all year long and, and pretty successful at doing it. So when I look at things, and if you even look into this draft, this draft has a lot of depth at running back. So there's no, there's nothing that points towards Ajayi being the back. When I'm looking at running backs and I want to invest in somebody, I want somebody who's getting goal line carries, and I want somebody who's going to go ahead and get a lot of receptions. And it doesn't seem like he's that guy to do a lot of that. Yeah, I'm with you there. If you asked me three weeks ago, uh, you know, a month ago, whenever that trade went down, um, I was much higher on Jay Ajayi than, than most people who were a little bit more uh, reserved and cautious with the trade to Philadelphia. I, I didn't see how Jay Ajayi just wasn't going to get the bulk of the workload here, and uh, I was just flat out wrong on that one. Uh, they seem perfectly content to, to roll these guys out situationally, and if they're perfectly content to roll them out situationally now, why would they maybe change that game plan next year as well? To your point, you know, plenty of, plenty of caliber running backs coming up in this next draft class here so so yeah i i wouldn't necessarily buy uh mark him a buy but i think he's kind of a hold uh if he can get any type of semblance of increase in volume there at that point you go ahead and try to try to chuck him away there and, and i'll even throw this this comparison out there you know I, i'm not super high on ajayi but one of my dynasty league mates and i'll give him a shout out to to ray going he has this nickname for for ajayi he calls Jay Ajayi, TRJ. The initials TRJ stand for Trent Richardson Jr. because he really believes that it was one year, last year of having a good good career or good season, and and that's all he's going to put out. 
So he really thinks that that Jai is going to turn into what Trent Richardson has become. Oh gosh, don't hurt me that much. I mean, I already said I was wrong, right? But man, that just hurts. Like I'm just going to get a stake in the heart. Oh gosh, I hope that's not true. <laughs> he was he's still been somewhat efficient here, but yeah, you're right. I mean, usage wise, hasn't uh, I? I thought for sure he'd at least get a little bit more involved in the pass game. We've seen it in the past, but uh, Kesedasara. All right, I'll redraft. Do I roll with the Jets or the Packers this week? I'm leaning the Packers with Deshaun Kaiser always hanging onto the ball too long and getting sacked, but I feel like they have a higher likelihood of uh, getting smashed this week as well. So, of course, we just talked about the aforementioned Flash Gordon here. Uh, what do you think with the Packers versus the Jets? It's Packers all the way for me. Um, I've not been high on, on Deshaun Kaiser, and that's one of the things that uh, you know kind of holds Gordon back and, and even Coleman in that offense in general. You look at it on the year, and he leads the league in interceptions, as you would expect a rookie quarterback to do, especially on a team like the Browns that's over. You know, so w- with those with those interceptions and even the fumbles that he's had, I mean, you're talking you're at least going to get a pick. He holds on to the ball, and, and Green Bay's got a decent pass rush. So looking at that, I mean, I think you're destined to get at least a turnover and have a, a good outcome. Where with the Jets, they're a little bit more of a bipolar team and can have an offensive explosion like you saw last week. Um, we actually had somebody in one of my leagues miss the playoffs because Kansas City's defense went up and put a negative four against the Jets last week. So for me, it's easy. I'm going with the Packers. Yeah, I'm with you here as well. Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, these guys can have a good game because you're when you're targeting these streaming defenses, you're not necessarily just trying to keep the points off the board. Yes, that can be problematic, um, but y- you know you're looking for those events. To your point, with the sacks, with the with the turnovers, things of that nature. And Deshaun Kaiser has been um, one of those guys to get that done for your team. All right, Scott, what's been your biggest tilt uh, so far this year? Um, my biggest issue actually came last week, and it, it's been kind of lingering for a couple of weeks. Is I just cannot get Mike Evans figured out, and you know <laughs> I, I went with a wide receiver heavy draft. I lost Odell Beckham; he was my number one pick. Evans has been struggling at number two. I have Keenan Allen, who's been steady, you know, blowing it up these last couple of weeks. But I've been stuck trying to decide between Mike Evans, Stephon Diggs, and Robbie Anderson, and it seems over the last few weeks I've been getting it wrong week in and week out, and starting Mike Evans over Anderson actually cost me a buy in one of my big leagues as a $1,000 buy in last week, so that's been my biggest tilt. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough, tough draw. That's just run bad right there at its finest, like... Uh, we we knew overall this season the the volume the target volume could only come down for Evans but it was still plenty of it right can't can't expect the injury and then he comes back from the injury and then the offensive line goes down and uh, you think all right he's still going to have enough a dot to to get it over to Evans here right based on his route tree um, but it doesn't work out that way and yeah that's just that's just run bad. Oh gosh, I've I've got Mike Evans on two dynasty leagues right now, and uh, one of them is in the playoffs, the other one isn't, and uh, it has not been any thanks to Mike Evans. All right, redraft PPR, Cameron Brait, Steven Anderson, or Hunter Henry. Um, this one's kind of easy for me too, although I think Steven Anderson has a, a shot at being a nice sleeper for this week. But for me, it's got to be Hunter Henry, um, especially if you're looking at this week. 
Uh, Washington's 20th against uh, the tight end, according to DVOA on football outsiders. They're also at, like allowing 16 yards more than what league averages to tight ends. And then if I'm looking at it and I, I want to break things down, you know, in, in a vacuum, you look at the quarterbacks that you have there. We just talked about Winston being kind of injured and having a shoulder thing. So that kind of rules Cameron Braid out. And are you really going to take Savage over Phillip Rivers, who's been one of the better quarterbacks over the last few weeks? So for me, I'm going to go ahead and hitch my wagon to the better quarterback. Very good. All right, redraft PPR. Now that Freeman is back, and I used Tevin Coleman in the wild card weekend. All right, so, uh, well, we've got this one going on here, so I guess um, we can kind of talk this up null and void here, but let's just, for, for, for comparison's sake, keep it going. My other options are Jimmy Graham in a tough matchup or Duke Johnson in a nice matchup, but uh, what the heck happened to Duke last week? Was that an anomaly, or does Flash being back inherently pull target volume away from El Duque? Well, even before tonight with Tevin Coleman playing, and I don't have the game on right now, so I only watched the first half, but for me, with this question, my answer would have been to go ahead and start Jimmy Graham, even if it's a flex and not a, not a tight end play, because he's he's just been, for lack of a better word, you know, that, that running game is defunct, so he is the primary option when you get with inside the, the red zone and inside that five-yard line especially. He's got 25 targets inside the red zone, which is, leads the league by a lot. So I don't know who, who went ahead and said it, but I saw something on, on, on Twitter, and it, it basically said that Jimmy Graham is the de facto goal line back for Seattle. And I think that's a, a, good, a, a good analogy as far as how things have been going for Jimmy Graham. And if we move on to, to Duke Johnson, it's just hard to expect any consistency from that Cleveland offense. And especially now you have Josh Gordon, I think plays are going to get designed to go to him a lot. So you could see some some volume go down for Duke Johnson. Yep. Uh, well said across the board there. Uh, this was apparently the regression game we've been waiting for from Drew Brees here with the touchdown pass to Michael Thomas now as we record and to Tommy Lee Lewis, ladies and gentlemen, pulling down the touchdown. I mean – Scott, is there any other name in the world that doesn't sound like a, a boxer from Philly and Tommy Lee? I mean, you know, there's a cl- cliche there, and I just so happen to have a movie to base that off of, kind of. But uh, Tommy Lee Lewis uh, pulling it down in, in New Orleans here. What's What say you? Yeah, somebody's got to pull it down because Breeze hasn't been doing much, and with Kamara going down, they have to go to a passing game tonight. Yeah, yeah let's uh, – uh, there's a, I'm just glad this was the Thursday game. Put it that way, all right? I'm, I'm glad it was the Thursday game, not on the main slate to just put me on tilt. Um, <laughs> so moving on from there, uh, what's been your favorite fantasy football memory to date? You know, I, I've been playing for a lot of years, and um, there's a lot of things you can go back and, and point to. I mean, years ago when Clinton Portis had a huge game, it, you know, it ended up winning me a big game where I was down by a lot, and that was fun. But, you know, actually – you just went ahead and started a, a dynasty league uh, about two years ago. So we're actually in our, our second year. And if you go back two Christmases ago, we actually started it on Christmas night. And uh, basically what we did, we had a few guys that played together with with each other across a couple of different leagues. So it, we ended up merging three leagues and, and added two other players. And uh, we went ahead and started this dynasty league. And it's been one of the more rewarding and fulfilling and just all around good leagues with a, a good group of guys to the point where, you know, we have a, a group chat that we do through a text message and on a daily basis, the interactions go over a hundred, 
100 text messages a day just talking football. And even during the off season, because it's dynasty, you know, there's a lot of good, good, good things that go on conversations about other things. And, and you know, we actually meet up and, and hang out a little bit. We're actually going to watch the games this Sunday for the playoffs all together and, and meet up. So it's been one of the more fulfilling you know, things. And we all joke about it that, you know, we're a bunch of junkies sitting in bed mm-hmm. at 10, 11 o'clock at night, starting a, a new dynasty league on Christmas night. And you know what? That's what this is all about right there. Oh, that's that's just awesome. Uh, Josh was on the show last week talking about having a league like that as well. And that's what this is all about. That camaraderie, that, that good, you know, group spirit, and really just at the end of the day, getting everybody together to have a good time. All right, redraft. What is your general strategy when approaching a week as an underdog? Do you tend to take more risk with your start-sit decisions to aim high, knowing you're the underdog, or do you still target safer floors in hopes your opponent kind of runs bad? Last week was a good example where the shoe-in wide receiver just didn't have a good week, and it was in your best interest to not get too cute. What do you got on this one? You know, I'm a go big or go home guy, and uh, I believe in volatility, and I believe in trying to maximize how many points you can get for a week. So I think when you play it safe, you, you, you kind of end up screwing yourself. But even beyond that, from a strategy standpoint, I really believe in stacks. You know, so I, I'm going to go ahead and try to stack a quarterback and a tight end together or a quarterback and a wide receiver, but I'll even go beyond that. And one of the things I like to use in leagues where I play kickers – I actually use the kicker as a bit of an insurance policy. So what I'll do is if I'm looking at somebody, you know, that I have in my lineup, you know, that's a running back, I'll try to use a kicker from that same team. Or, you know, if I think somebody has a little bit of a bad matchup where, you know, the defense might hold them out of the end zone, I'm going to have that kicker in my lineup to where if I'm not getting points from that running back or that wide receiver that I would expect them from, you know, you can kind of bank on that kicker picking up the slack by kicking the field goals a lot of the time. So, that's kind of one of the strategies that I use. And like I said, if you're not trying to maximize your points, then you're looking to lose sometimes playing it safe. Sound advice there as well. And you can almost take that approach on your opponent, right? If you're banking on your opponent's quarterback to kind of stall out, go ahead and scoop that kicker up too, and then send them that text in the group chat laughing at him every time your kicker gets the points and not his quarterback. <laughs> Fuck, Mary kill. Week 14 quarterback streamer delight. Here we go. Blaine Gabbert, Tom Savage, or Deshaun Kaiser. Hmm. So I'm guessing if we're talking about a one-week streamer, we're looking for the fuck to be the top of the line here. So um, I'm going to go ahead and kill Tom Savage because I don't think he's going to be able to offer me much as far as uh, what's going down. Um, I would actually marry Deshaun Kaiser, I guess, because he's got the longest, highest ceiling, I guess, as far as long-range outcome. So I'm looking for one week, and I'm going to go ahead and fuck Blaine Gabbert because I think he'll be the best quarterback this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. There. It's a, you took an interesting perspective and slant on this as well, right? You, you've got the fuck as the, as the top of the line here because it's like a one-week streamer. So uh, I, I like what you put down there. I, I like the thought process there, and that's the way. I, We're going for that Sunday one-night stand. Yeah. So so yeah, naturally the the F has gotta be at the top there. That that makes all the sense in the world there. Uh so yeah, with that in mind, I'll I'll take Gabbard at the top here. You know, I think he's been putting some stuff together here, still getting a bad break and for all the bad things that happened in Jacksonville, and he hasn't been entirely bad here uh in Arizona. He's been throwing the ball the ball around the field here. So uh I think you're gonna see a little bit more of that this week as well. And if you want to, go ahead and get contrarian and use somebody like Blaine. 
Blaine Gabbard on a week like this where it's really not going to project out for a lot of fantasy points, you would think. Um, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks aren't very plus matchups. Of course, you've got Tom Brady, but he's going to be without his main squeeze there as well. So take a guy like Blaine Gabbard in one of those $9 multi-week type of contests, uh, tournament style over at Draft. Draft is a really cool app. If you don't have it right now, download it on your phone or go to playdraft.com. It's slick. It's got a really nice user user interface right now, and it works just like traditional drafting that you do with your friends, your buddies, your coworkers in the offseason, but you can do it every single week. You can do it every single day because you can do it for NBA. You can do it for NHL. It doesn't matter the sport that you're into, and the best part, it's for straight cash, homie. So really, you can play $1 head-to-heads, $10 head-to-heads, $500 head-to-heads that are out there in the lobby, and there's literally another game firing off here every 30 seconds to a minute as well. So get over there and try it out. If you use our promo code RVRADIO, uh, you can go ahead and try it out for free. Uh, with your first deposit, you'll get a $3 entry. Um, on behalf of our friends over there at Draft, sponsoring this very show as well. So again, RV Radio, head over to Draft. All right, jumping right back in here, Scott. We've got DFS. How do you approach tournaments this week and when there are two to three guys that are going to be insanely highly owned? Uh, of course, he's talking about Gio Bernard and Josh Gordon here this week. Do you fade it and hope they miss and gain an edge, a huge edge, mind you, on the field or differentiate elsewhere? Yeah, I think you have to go ahead and, and differentiate your, your lineups from Josh Gordon. I, I think it's, you know, when you talk in tournament play, you're talking about zigging when everybody else zags and, and having a unique lineup. So, you know, I think you let everybody else go with Gio and, and the Josh Gordon and you get a different lineup and, and try to differentiate yourself from them in different ways with different players. So I would, I would go ahead and fade Gio and Josh in tournament play this week if they're going to be highly on like that. There you go. Yeah, and this, this is a type of question that's kind of also attached to your level of risk, uh, I guess, you know, how much risk you're willing to take on. I mean, this is the type of week where if that chalk hits, you can be losing cash games, but you're going to be winning or min cash and GPPs because a lot of people are playing those variance games, but the chalk actually did hit. So I like that approach that you just mentioned. Um, my brain doesn't always work that way, so I'll still, of course, do it. Um, but, you know, I'll be also firing off those cash games in the in the GPP as well. Look, I'm not great at it, and the person who needs to write a book about about strategy and play is Rotodoc. I mean, the way he takes takes down a lot of those NASCAR games, uh, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of his strategy and stuff can go ahead and switch over. I'm just waiting for the book on Amazon so I could be, you know, paid subscriber to that. You and me both, my friend. You and me both. We'll go ahead and uh, get that going here and uh, and get him on the show for an interview for it as well. All right, another DFS here. Uh, better play in the mid-range between Jamal Williams and Lamar Miller. They're both within $100 of each other on DraftKings. Um, I haven't heard the latest on Aaron Jones, if he's going to get back involved here. Um, but definitely some interesting plays in the mid-range here. What do you got? You know, if you look at Jamal Williams and, and how things have been going for Green Bay, they've been real run-heavy. And the place where Jamal Williams has actually succeeded a little bit more than what I thought he would would be in the, in that passing game. But you know, you look at this week's matchup, and I think you have to go with Lamar Miller. San Francisco has been bad all year against the run, and I think Lamar Miller is going to get a lot of a lot of action this week. Um, you know, when you look at it, San Francisco's rush defense is ranked 20th. So I, I'd go ahead and 
and go ahead and go with Lamar Miller this week over uh, over Jamal Williams. And Aaron Jones is lurking. You know, it, it was only one carry, and it was in overtime last week. But at, at some point in time, with the way he played early in the year, I think they're going to go ahead and bring him back. He was averaging over five yards a carry versus Jamal Williams, who's averaging 3.7. So I think you're going to start seeing Aaron Jones get getting more involved in that rushing game. Yeah, very very nicely said. I think Lamar Miller's in a smash spot this week. I think Jamal Williams is in a good spot as well. And what's interesting is that when everybody was hopping off Jamal Williams last week, because we got the coaching, you know, saying Aaron Jones would play, but Jamal's still going to get the majority of the snaps, people are going, well, what does that exactly mean? When I hear he's going to get the majority of the snaps, I and, you know, we haven't seen him yet. I was definitely still on board with Jamal last week. But this week, now that we've seen that 20-yard scamper, he sure as heck look healthy enough, uh, to your point, there's more question marks there. So I think in redraft, you're fine using him. Uh, DFS, though, Lamar Miller is definitely the better play. And, of course, you know, Lamar is still the better play in redraft as well. All right, uh, best decade for movies, for music, and for, for fashion as well. Whew, that's a little bit of a tough one. Um, so can I cheat a little bit here? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I was born in 79. So as far as movies go, I, I think a lot of things – Nowadays, with the special effects and all, it's amazing what they can do with a lot of movies. But I think as far as actual writing and movie plots, I think there's a sweet spot from like 1985 to 95. So I know it's not quite at 80s or 90s, but if you give me that sweet spot from 85 to 95 and you start working in movies like Goonies, Indiana Jones, you know, one of my favorites, White Men Can't Jump, you know, it, it all kind of gets within that range. So for me, that's that's gonna go ahead and be the the movies um man best decade for music i have to go with the 70s um i like a wide array of music but i think overall the 70s have to have it um you know rock stars and musicians have kind of died you know and to an extent music's been watered down with you know soundcloud and youtube and people putting their stuff out and you know, technology's kind of killed a lot of things with auto-tune and it can cover up a lot. I think the true rock stars and musicians were way back in the day in the 70s and stuff. And, and I think that's that's the decade I have to go with there. Um, as far as fashion, I'm not a big fashion buff. Um, I would almost go ahead and say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of big in the shoes. Growing up, you could dress like shit, but as long as you had cool shoes in, in 7th and 8th grade, if you had the Jordans or, you know, the, the, the Reebok pumps and all, you know, you were cool. So I would almost say that. But then just recently, I went ahead and we took a trip for my wife's birthday to Austin, Texas. And apparently there, they have something called the Free the Nipple Movement. And I don't think anybody in the whole city of Austin wears a bra. So you combine that along with the yoga pants that girls wear on a regular basis. And I think right now is the best time for fashion if you're a man. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, and going back to the going back to the movies, I'm right there with you. I think it's just, you know, I was born in 82, right? So we're just a bunch of old farts on this show here. Uh we're we're young at heart, right? But uh yeah, that's that was definitely the best time for for movies there jumping off and, and music, you know, it was it was also yeah, you're right. I mean, well, you, you, little Uzi, little Yachty, you didn't you didn't know, you didn't hear they're rock stars. Yeah. <laughs> With the rock stars with auto tune. Oh gosh, just brutal there. Uh, but yeah, nice, nicely done there. Uh, redraft moving on here. PPR start three between, uh, fresh to the scene, Mike Davis, Rex Burkhead, Sterling Shepard, Alshon Jeffrey, 
or uh, Jamison Crowder you already gave your thoughts on as well. Yeah, so uh, I talked earlier about how I like Jamison Crowder, but you know this is this is another one. If you break it down, you know you can't depend on that line there in, in Seattle. I mean, Russell Wilson's been a one-man show. He's easily my pick for the MVP. You know, I know a lot of people out there like what Wentz has done, but I think when you look at it with with Russ being the the one-man gang out there, accounting for like 82% of Seattle's offense, um, I kind of think you got to leave Mike Davis out on this. Um, we talk about Gronk getting suspended this week and, and being out, and I think Rex Burkhead is going to have a much bigger role than what he had. He's been really efficient over the last few weeks uh, as far as like running the ball and receiving, so I think he has to go in the lineup. So it really, come, for me, comes down to Sterling Shepard versus Alshon Jeffrey, and I, I think what, what Wentz is doing, I think you got to go Alshon. He's a clear number one there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was trying to break this one down in my head as well. I, I want to put Sterling Shepard in there, but yeah, I just, you know, he, he didn't get the target volume I was expecting him to get last week. I mean, it was fine, right? Just fine. But, you know, that was against Oakland, right? And I know he's in another great spot here, but he was in a great spot. I don't know. Maybe he's got another week under his belt, but, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't put my fantasy playoff on the line with it. Give me, give me Alshon there with you as well. Give me Rex there as well. And of course, Jameson gets that spot as well. Uh, Scott, I don't know if I've asked you this one before. You're regular on the show, but I had to throw it out there anyway. What, what's been the worst job you ever had? All right. So the worst job I had only lasted like one day. So. I was in the military, and I was with the first unit that went over to Afghanistan, and I was uh, in Kandahar, Afghanistan, right outside of Tarnak Farms, where Osama bin Laden trained uh, all of his troops and everything. And so I was late in my deployment. I was probably about 20 months into to my deployment and set to come home. And uh, for those that don't understand how things go when you're in the military overseas, a lot of times you have contractors that are there that help to, to go ahead and take care of the military guys, you know, for some extent. So originally there was an Australian contractor and we're kind of in the midst of a, a transfer to Halliburton. So, you know, a lot of the stuff that I did with the mine clearing and force protection was, was over and done with. So, you know, I would get tasked with different, different things. Well, for this one day that we had, there was a, a, a lapse in the transfer as far as what was going on. And uh, so while you're there, there's showers. And these showers drain into these big water blivets, these big, uh, just imagine oversized waterbed that's catching all the shower water with limited women and limited privacy. God knows what goes on in, in these showers. So I was one of the only people who could work this one truck. It was basically an oversized tanker that had a, a pump on the back of it. So I had to go basically suck out all the gray water that had everybody's whatever in it and, and just absolutely disgusting. So as I'm pumping this water into the truck, the, the actual pump starts having a malfunction. And as I'm checking on the pump, the, the actual hose that sucks the water out, disconnects and starts spraying all the water in my face. Oh, gosh. So it was absolutely disgusting. It was an absolute horrible situation. And so while it wasn't a primary job, it was more or less just a duty for the day, you know, that was the absolute most horrible, disgusting job I've ever had to do in my life. Yeah, I think you, I think you won the honors. Uh, I think you definitely won the honors. That just, that just does not sound like I've, 
Man, oh, I, I wouldn't wish that on to anybody. So thank you 100 million times for your service and going through that for all of us to sit here and ramble on with our fantasy football meaningless show. Well, it's meaningful to us, but you get in the greater context. <laughs> thank you for everything that you went through for us to sit here and do this now tonight. Uh, moving on, redraft PPR. What do I do with uh, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones this weekend? It doesn't seem like Stafford's going to be able to throw a football this weekend with Jake Rudock potentially at quarterback. How much do I knock them down? So uh, the latest on this, it, it sounds like Stafford's going to give this a go. I, have you heard anything different here? You know, I was looking for information on, on this actually earlier today, you know, because it scares the living shit out of me to, to see what Jake Rudock did last week. He comes out <laughs> – he was part of my downfall and missing a bye because I lost by six points and he came in and threw that touchdown. My opponent had the defense that, that went, went off because of that. So that was part of the downfall. But, you know, I, I think you kind of got to bump Golden Tate and Morgan Jones down. I'd say maybe two or three spots in your rankings. Um, you know, even with Stafford playing, I hear he's having some trouble holding on to the ball. There's some swelling to the hand. If Jake Rudock comes in and play, I think it's not unreasonable to move both of them down 10 to 12 spots you know i I would actually maybe even bump eric ebron up a little bit because i I just don't see rudog being advanced enough to go through you know all the all the the calls and reads and progressions that he needs to go through so i I would expect him to kind of depend on a tight end and maybe even theoretic a little bit so i would maybe bump those guys up a couple spots the golden tate and and jones if they if rudog plays I'm, i'm moving them down a lot yeah, you have to, right? I mean, I was looking at Jake Rudock's college stuff just to see, you know, do do we have anything here, anything at all? Yeah, it was like yeah, like a college career AYA just over seven. You know, not not great, Bob, not great. So uh, yeah, go ahead and bump those guys down. All right, Scott, movie within a movie time. Take movie one's cast of characters, pick them up, move them into a completely different movie's plot. What's a new movie, and how does it play out? Now, this is the hardest single question I think I've ever been asked on a podcast. <laughs> and I don't know that I really have an answer for it. Um, I could be a smart ass and tell you that I would go ahead and take the cast from Days of Thunder and take them out. And I would go ahead and take the cast of Step Brothers and put them in. And it would turn into a movie called Talladega Nights where hilarity ensued. And <laughs> that's what you would come up with. <laughs> Touche, touche, touche. And that's exactly what we do every single week. I didn't even realize it. And you just, you just, you just nailed it, right? I mean, all we do every single week on this show is we make Talladega Nights. Oh, <laughs> that's great. So, so you basically, you just, you have to play it out, right? Like, so would it be, would it be Will Ferrell or would it be his brother? I forget the actor's name who's taking the little sugar packets there down, down Nicole Kidman's leg there. One, uh-huh. one of them has to do it. It amazes me that Will Ferrell can do any of the stuff he does with a straight face. <laughs> I was I was watching, I don't know, there was some British comedy show on uh, maybe a few weeks ago, and uh, it was Will Ferrell and uh, Mark Wahlberg basically just making fun of one another, and they had to do it and maintain a straight face without laughing. And uh, it, it was indeed Will Ferrell that outlasted Mark Wahlberg on that front. And it was, uh, I'll have to find it and send it to you, but it was, it was a pretty funny clip, and uh, Will Ferrell definitely took it down. I'm sure he said something like Mark Wahlberg's, um, you know, mother's a dirty pirate whore or something like that. I don't remember. 
question is, could Nicole Kidman hold a straight face with uh, Will Ferrell feeling her up with the sugar package? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. This is not eyes wide shut. This would definitely be eyes wide open. Oh, boy. All right, we'll move on from there. Redraft, I have Mike Evans, A.J. Green, and Devontae Adams. Uh, how do I get Josh Gordon in? So we talked a little bit about this, uh, at the beginning of the show from a rankings perspective. So you, you know, we've also talked about not being able to get Mike Evans right. AJ Green, uh, not the greatest of matchups, but the target volume has just been beast mode, uh, last few weeks here. Devontae Adams has been the guy. So if you're gonna do it, I would almost, gosh, it seems backwards here. Uh, but can you start Josh Gordon over any of these three? I would put him over Evans. I would put him over Evans as well. And if you look at football outsiders and their DVOA rankings, you know, Mike Evans has a tough matchup against Darius Slay this week, who should be you know, shadowing him and covering him all over the field. Darius Slay's actually the, the fourth best corner as far as DVOA goes and, you know, Detroit defending number one receiver. So I think the Evans, you know, Gordon over Evans call, I think that's the way you get him in if you're going to go ahead and do it. Yep. 100% with you there, and uh, not a not a bad uh, strategy to have Devontae Adams and Josh Gordon in your lineup at the same time, and then, you all, by the way, you also have A.J. Green. I think you're going to be moving on to the next round in the playoffs there, sir. Uh, and we're moving on here. Dynasty, best prospects moving forward into 2018. Trent Taylor, Quincy Inunua, or Josh Reynolds? Quincy Inunua, sad face. You know, I actually like Trent Taylor. I mean, I think what you saw last week, you saw him – and Jimmy Garoppolo actually hooking up and having a, a good little bit of rapport. Um, look, I'm I'm not a film guy, but one of the things that jumps off the, the screen when you're watching Trent Taylor is the kid can separate. And I think that's a big deal in the NFL is, you know, with a slot receiver, you have to be able to separate. And that's one thing I've seen out of him. You know, he also has the pedigree for the, for the return game as well, which which goes ahead and, and usually works out for, you know, receivers developing and having good careers. Um, you don't know what you're going to get out of Anunwa coming back. You know, he was a flash in the pan last year. He's got the injuries this year. And then I think with Josh Reynolds, he's in the best offense that you're seeing. I think Sean McVay is clearly the best young offensive mind in the NFL. So I think Josh Reynolds could have some value, but it's where does he stick out on that totem pole as far as target volume and opportunity in that offense? You know, are they going to bring back Sammy Watkins? You know, so you kind of got to weigh things out. Whereas I think with Trent Taylor, I think he has a, a clear path and clear role in that offense there in San Francisco, where there's not a whole lot of talent outside of Pierre Garcon, who's hurt. Yeah, this one is tough, man, because ah, I like all three of these guys, right? I think what's going to be interesting next year is what what. St. Louis. What LA does with Sammy Watkins because he has clearly been relegated to a role player. And if he's a role player, are they are they really going to sign him for a multi year deal for a bunch of money next year? Or was he only a role player because they still are feeling ambitious about him and he just didn't have time to get up to speed, you know, chemistry wise and all that jazz? I, I don't know. But I definitely like Josh Reynolds. Quincy Anunma I was so high on coming into this year, but uh, you know, Robbie Anderson, that ship is not sale. Jermaine Curse has been just fine with McCown in town. Um, so I think Quincy, unfortunately, just kind of, this is how the cookie crumbles sometimes. He's going to likely be the odd man out there. 
uh, God, he's got the most potential there as well. Um, well, I guess, you know, I can't say he's got more potential than Robbie Anderson at this point. Um, so yeah, I, I think I like, uh, Trent Taylor there with Jimmy G. Uh, I'm with you there. I think he's going to be kind of turning into something steady going forward here. All right, Scott. So we've been on a few shows together here since then. We both had some uh, new babies here. Mine just turned one in October. I think yours did as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, so what kind of great lesson have you learned as a, a new-ish parent? Yeah, mine uh, turned one first week of uh, November, so I'm right there with you. But this is my first. I don't have the experience that you have with the rest of the crew. Um, <laughs> you know, the one thing that I learned and I is to to stop and enjoy the moment you know i I thought i thought when my little man came out i was going to be all you know impatient and oh i can't wait till he's old enough i can take him to games and do different things with him but you know i've learned just to stop and enjoy the moment for for what it is because you don't get this point in time in, in their lives back and you know we all grow up and we start to take life so serious and the great thing about kids at least for me i think is they give you a glimpse back into your own childhood. You know, you get to enjoy things that you, you stop enjoying just as an adult, you know, without that perspective of a child. So, you know, it, it's been absolutely great for me to, to spend time with him day in and day out and just the, the small things that, that are enjoyable in life. You know, there's so many stupid sounds, noises, and things that I do on a daily basis just to make him laugh. And, you know, <laughs> that's what life's all about. Yeah, and you wouldn't trade it for anything else in the world. It's a beautiful thing, and I love the response. And I'll, I'll add one more to that, just on a more uh, uh, goofy note here, I would say. Just when, you know, if you ever find yourself having kids here and you go to change your first diaper, don't forget to cover with another diaper when you're changing that one. Um, because it's very easy to, uh, as Scott experienced there overseas, get some stuff in your face that you don't necessarily want in your face. Um, that's happened to me on multiple occasions now, Scott. Have you had that one happen, or have you been smarter than me? No, I, you know, I, I don't think I've been smarter than you with it. I, I think, uh, you know, my son's just got more of an affinity to aim for the bullseye on mom than dad. <laughs> Nicely done. All right, redraft. Do I trust the volume the Denver wide receivers are getting and stick with them, or trust the lack of efficiency with Trevor Simeon? I can start either uh, Muhammad Sanu or Orleans Darko over him this week. You know, I, I don't like what's going on over there in Denver, and uh, the, the quarterback situation is atrocious. And I'll go ahead and say this. You know, if you go ahead and look back at, at John Elway, a lot of people, you know, are high on Elway as a, a front office guy. But when it comes down to it, go back and look through his, his draft history. He has not drafted an offensive starter outside of uh, Bowles, the left tackle, the entire time. None of his draft picks have panned out on the offensive side of the ball. You know, especially at quarterback. His quarterback situation hasn't panned out either. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, I think the lack of efficiency with Simeon is what's going to hold. You know, I haven't been able to trust, you know, Thomas, and I think Emmanuel Sanders is banged up right now as well. So, I, you know, I wouldn't go with any of them. Um, you know, Sanu is actually uh, playing right now, so I, I don't have the update on that. But looks like he's like, got a he he got a he got in the end zone. He got the tutty. I, I would have said Darkwa on this one. Yeah, I actually like Darkwa a lot, and uh, you know, you, you ask about what my bold prediction for Week 14 is going to be, and it, it's actually Orleans Darkwa. You know, if you go ahead and look at the matchup, he, he's got a really good matchup this week. You know, against 
against the Cowboys. They're they're 26th against uh, defending running backs as far as like rushing goes, and they're when it comes to to running backs as receivers, they're 26th against that as well. You know, Gallman hasn't done a whole lot, and Shane Vereen's almost non-existent in the offense. Paul Perkins got benched a long time ago. I like Darkway in this matchup against the Cowboys, and I think he'll be a fringe running back one right there in 12-13 range when the week's said and done. Yeah, with you there 100%. Um, I would have taken Darkwood here. Um, you know, Sanu a close second there. I mean, all Sanu does is tilt Julio Jones owners all season long here with the exception of the, the, the explosion game out there. So either, either way, our response would have been, uh, you know, I, you just don't have to go to the Denver wide receivers at this point. You know, if you're if you're in a 16 team league or something, I feel like sure go ahead and try them out there, but I don't necessarily feel the need uh, for you to go out there. It seems hard to believe you don't have somebody that you've scooped up this year that you can start over Emmanuel Sanders or DT at this point in the game. Uh, Orleans Darkwa, it is there as well, and you already got the bold prediction in there for this week, Orleans Darkwa. So that's it. We're out of here. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a word of his podcast dedicated. To answering all of your fantasy football questions. If you have any questions you want answered on the RV mailbag, you can submit those via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com or on Twitter at rotovisradio using the hashtag RV mailbag. Scott, man, many thanks for carving out the time, um, making a little bit less goofy, funny noises uh, away from your son for a uh, little over an hour here with me here. Any uh, last minute plugs? Yeah, man, I just want to thank everybody at Rotoviz and, you know, great. Insight weekend and we got all the writers, you know, it, it's fun to be a part of Rotoviz and, and, you know, the Rotoviz radio network. Also, uh, shout out to Denny Carter, who gives me opportunity to, to interact with a lot of people over at Draft Day Consultants year in and year out. I've, I've got some, some good customers that come back year in and year out and, you know, made some good relationships with them. And, you know, good luck to everybody in the playoffs if you're in. I hope you win. Just a stand-up dude all around. Uh, be sure to follow him on the tweets, at SSmithFF. And please don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. It means a lot. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Mailbag, a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, 
only on Showtime.